Yo, I'm Shay Serrano. And I'm Brandon Jinx Jenkins. We have a new show called No Skips with Jinx and Shay. In it, we discuss the most unskippable albums in hip-hop history. New episodes drop on Thursdays, only on Spotify. It's the Full Go, presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. And present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Chicago everywhere, check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. <laughs> he is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. So I've been trying my hardest. I've been trying my hardest to uh, stay, not stay off of Twitter, but like limit my uh, Twitter and Instagram diet as of late. And I, I find that anytime I jump back in Twitter, some wild shit is happening. So we're recording right now at 6.45 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, this is the first day of Daylight Savings, by the way. So hopefully everybody out there didn't have much to do this morning. You didn't miss that hour. Uh, and we're going to get a chance to talk a little baseball because, hey, baseball is back. But I'm sitting around you know, folding a little laundry, uh, listening to some music, and my Twitter timeline starts going off about Kevin Garnett. And I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, tonight is the uh, Jersey retirement for Kevin Garnett. So I'm watching the timeline go crazy and I'm watching the moments. And by the way, the dunk of the year might have happened in the in the game right before uh, the crazy uh, Kevin Garnett commemoration, Jersey retirement, whatever you want to call it. And throughout the entire thing, I was like, oh, look at that. It's KG. And he's he's being celebrated. And look, it's all of the teammates, all the guys that you know, they had that Boston Celtics thing humming for a few years there. And they Brian Scalabrini did a terrific job, right? He did an awesome job of, like, just letting Kevin be Kevin. Uh, there was a few weird moments in there where Kevin was uh, ad-libbing for some reason. I thought he was going to jump into a verse. Uh, and it's always struck me, like, like Kevin has always had this East Coast kind of uh, accent, but he's from South Carolina by way of Chicago. And by the way, shout out to Kevin and I, the Chicago ties are all in there. But shout out to Kevin for uh, bringing Wolf Nelson, uh, high school basketball coach, longtime Farragut uh, legend in this city. Uh, to his Jersey retirement. That was really, really cool for him to not only shout out Wolf, but everybody got a chance to see Wolf. They put this, the, the camera on him. He waved. Uh, it was it was good because Wolf Nelson's an important part of Chicago high school basketball. And I, I started thinking about all these things, right? Because got a chance to cover Kevin uh, during his battles with the Bulls as a Boston Celtic. Uh, crazy, crazy times with him and Joakim Noah having the same kind of manic energy on the floor and and being uh, verbose and being, you know, just uh, always gesticulating, always. Uh, it, it was hard to not keep your eyes on both those players, especially when they're on the floor at the same time. So having a chance to cover some of those battles and just take it in as a, not just a fan, but uh, as a media member, I, I got a different perspective for Kevin. But it started a long time before that. When Kevin Garnett touched down in Chicago, uh, it was it was more than a thing. One, because... Everybody knew that this was the kid that was 
going to maybe just might go pro after a little bit of time seeing him. You know, I, I believe he and Wolf Nelson ran into each other on the AAU circuit. Uh, and, you know, he, he told him, hey, we got somewhere for you if you want to come play in a tougher league, uh, uh, a tougher city, you know, get your, get your, your rep up, get your name up. You're already doing work in South Carolina. I believe Malden, South Carolina is where he's from. And you, you come up to Chicago, put you through the, uh, put you through the grind and you'll be ready for the league. And at that time, Ronnie Fields was a god, like a legend in this city as a high school basketball player. Ronnie Fields was being compared to Michael Jordan at the time that Mike was in the league, right? There was conversations about who, you know, who was more athletic, who was, uh, you know, who was, who was more physically, um, you know, show-stopping in terms of, air, you know, aer- aerodynamic, just stealth flying through the air type of vibes. Like, Ronnie Fields was that dude for, uh, for a lot of young people and grown-ups as well. So, Ronnie Fields, Michael Wright, like, Farragut, dudes that you talked about. And of course, Kevin Garnett put the national spotlight on the city and the high school scene here. But just thinking about that time as a kid and, and understanding that, man, this is a dude who I, I watch as a high schooler who's going to get ready to go into the NBA. How crazy is that? And at that time, too, I was trying to figure out how I could jump into the business as quickly as I possibly could without going to college as well. So, you know, it, it, it the, um, the uh, the opportunity to not only watch his career but feel like you were in some way small part of in- that energy because of you know where we were at, at in lives and where we were at uh, as as a city talking about this dude on a damn near nightly basis you know it was, he was a phenom and he was playing next to a, a legend who everybody had already respected in Ronnie Fields and. By the way, these dudes are 17, 18 years old, and the city is a buzz about them. So I thought about that when, while watching uh, Kevin Garnett talk to Brian Scalabrini about his early days, and I thought it was outstanding that he took the time out to not just um, make sure Ray was there, because obviously you don't show up to somebody's jersey retirement without uh, making sure y'all are good, right? Because during the 75 celebration, everybody was like, look, Ray Allen walked past, or he didn't dap up KG, or they they had the mad face. And then, of course, the pictures come out and show that the three of those guys, Paul Pierce and Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett, were all good, and they were taking pictures in the back beforehand. So it was just some internet foolishness for a little bit, you know, a few hours cycle where we can dredge up all the messy shit that we like to engage in as sports fans. But, man, it was was something very um, heartfelt and um, courageous that happened in that retirement celebration because for him to not only acknowledge Ray Allen, but for Ray Allen to get up and it wasn't in a way of, he was taking his moment from him, but for him to get up and go embrace that man, you know, um, you don't see it, especially where, you know, athletes come into play. There's a lot of ego involved. You know, everybody's rich, everybody's successful. Everybody's at the top of their craft. Like, revered as, as some of the greatest of all time. Like, you don't even have to drop it. But as men, um, they showed how truly strong they were by just dropping the bullshit and saying, hey, man, I love you when we went through these things together, no matter what, right? And then Paul Pierce comes over there and he hugs them as well. It was it was a really, really cool moment. Like, I've never hated the Boston Celtics. I've never overly loved the Boston Celtics. I was just always, um, I've always, and I'll say it, on this pod, and I've said it on other pods and other uh, forms of broadcast, and I, 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 um, I appreciate premium content. Like, I, you know, I'm not a guy who goes to a bunch of talent shows and stuff like that. Like, I feel like I'll catch you when I catch you. Yeah, you, you catch some talent every once in a while. You go to a little spot and you hear somebody singing or hear somebody rapping or something. Like, oh, okay, you know, I'll buy your stuff and hopefully you make it. But I, I, I truly appreciate professionals for how they get down and what they had to do to get there. So when you got professionals who are at the top of their craft and, and come together and win a championship and then fall out because one goes somewhere else for a different opportunity when Ray went to Miami and, you know, that, that bond and that loyalty and that team um, kinship that you think is broken for these dudes 20 years later, 10, 15 years later, whatever the case may be, I may be off on the time, but you, you feel me. For these dudes to, in this moment, um, not only bury the hatchet, but kind of admit, you know, wrong on both sides and come together like that i thought it was very very powerful and of course you know kevin garnett is a is a dude who played with a a certain uh, 
controlled rage that was palpable. You know, I I used to ask certain white players how they felt about being called the N-word by Kevin Garnett. <laughs> like, I used to mess around and do that every once in a while. I'm, and I'm not going to name the, the two or three guys that I do, but, you know, I've covered enough Kevin Garnett games where I'm like, oh, man, you just called, you know, Cody McFreckles, uh, <laughs> you know. But you just called Cody McFreckles a nigga, and I wonder how he's going to feel about that. <laughs> you know, does, does he go to his other teammates and go, hey, man, how do I take it if Kevin Garnett is calling me. <laughs> we all know Kevin Garnett had one of the craziest mouths of all time, right? And and that rage and that um that that passion and fire that he played with, I appreciated it. You know, the same way we talk about Russell Westbrook now and how it's like, oh, look at Russell. And he, he's just he's just trying to get numbers and oh now he can't shoot, so it's okay for us to make fun of him. And now he's in that weird sense of like he has to protect himself now. It's the it's the the, the nasty part of the end of a player's career, especially in the social media age, right? But one thing I always appreciated was the rage and the constant coming at your head that he played with. You know, we can't bitch about certain players not doing everything they they should be doing to go out there and win and then not um, celebrate the players who maybe it's not the way you would do it, but you know damn well they're trying their hardest to win. And they just, you know, keep bumping their heads. And then the Kevin Garnett, that's how I, I view Kevin Garnett. Right. And of course, coming into the league, like I all, I marveled at the fact that he, as a young man, right, 17, 18, 19 years old, was playing against legends. Like this is still when, you know, the legends of the game, especially big men, were still in the league, still viable and still, you know, playing like big men. And the first time you see a 6'11 kid who's 215, 220 pounds facing up, you're like, oh, this dude's putting the ball on the deck. Like we talk about the revolutionary big men that we see now where it's like, OK, guys like Giannis and guys like, you know, Ben Simmons, who's 6'10, 6'11. You got guys who can play point guard. You got guys who can play power forward, small forward, shooting guard who are 6'10, 6'11 players. There weren't a lot of those guys when Kevin Garnett decided to go to the league. There weren't a lot of them. And there was nobody like KG. So watching all that, man, it was it, it took me back to a to a basketball place that I appreciate where, you know, it was still me being a fan as I was a media member, but not acting like a fan, if that makes any sense. Like I wasn't as jaded as I am now in terms of how I cover things and how I strip things and how I kind of remove emotion from certain things. And I think I'm doing a decent job of adding that back to just my viewing of sports. But that time that Kevin was doing his thing really, really, um, like that was like some of the purest moments of my career. So watching him go through that and talk about it, uh, it, it, it took me back. And, you know, the appreciation for Kevin Garnett will all and He's the only guy too that I've gotten into it with in the locker room. And what not, not gotten into it with, but like I asked something that he didn't like, I didn't back down. And, you know, he said what he had to say to me. And then afterwards, when guys cool off a little bit, I saw him in the tunnel and he was like, you know, we all good. I'm like, yeah, we ain't, we ain't going to never be bad, right? You ain't, you ain't going to hit me. I ain't going to hit you. Words is words. I'm doing my job. You got a technical. You don't like talking about technicals. My guy, Gary Washburn, had to pull me to the side and say, yeah, KG don't talk about technicals. I'm like, what? what? Fucking rules don't apply here? Like, <laughs> I, how am I supposed to know that, right? But. Yeah, he was he was a straight up, you know, dude in that moment. Like he was upset and he was still talking about a game and he explained in his retirement how it was hard for him to come down. And I can understand it. I can dig it. You know, respect is respect. So thinking about all that while I'm watching him and then all of a sudden, this is why I should not stay off of Twitter as much as I've been trying to stay off of Twitter. Because then all of a sudden, the evil villain known as Tom motherfucking Brady while Boston is celebrating maybe the dunk of the year, right? And Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum going crazy right now. And everybody's like, look at the Celtics. They're, they're climbing the, you know, the Eastern Conference standings while Boston is having a great time. And then, then they start crying their eyes out because the last guy to bring them some championship glory is being celebrated and retired and, and loved the way he's supposed to. And if the evil villain America's favorite baby daddy doesn't come from the rafters, Tom Brady, and say, to hell with all y'all fun. <laughs> I'm coming back to play football. <laughs> if he was black, he'd, be, he'd end it with you and kiss my black ass. <laughs> Dog, I, Jess, I'm sitting there reading, just 
like, wait a minute, is this new? Did I miss something this morning? Like, you know, it's, it's my sister's birthday. I tried to go meet her for a little brunch and hang out a little bit. You know, I'm like, did I not go on Twitter enough? Like, did, is this hours ago? Am I just getting caught up? I'm like, no, this is six minutes ago. Adam Schefter's going crazy. All the other Adam Schefters who you're supposed to have blocked by now are going crazy. It's like, all pandemonium in the Twitter timeline streets. And I'm sitting there just watching the fire burn. And I'll say this. Shout out to Tom Brady for this. Because he understands. And I won't say it's the right thing to do. Because, listen, if he wants to play football, that's on him. You guys can you guys can go over what this means for the Buccaneers and what this means for the NFL. Mm-mm, you ain't going to get that here. Tom Brady was home for all of see look my dog my dog Lulu she 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 knows what I'm about to say because she understands and she feels it in my heart. Tom Brady was home. That's right, Lulu. Yeah, I know Lulu. Yeah, I I can dig it. I, I I gotta say it though. Somebody gotta say it. You good? All right. She gets she she knows how emotional I'm gonna get right here. Tom Brady was home for all of 72 minutes. <laughs> Tom Brady was with his loved ones, <laughs> his entire team, uh, chefs, um, the wait staff in his beautiful home that he shares with his supermodel wife who makes $50 million a year, his beautiful children, probably flawless children, right? Like, Never probably seen, uh, you know, an empty calorie. No, like the lives they are living is probably the be- the most beautifulest thing in this world, as Keith Murray would say. Tom Brady was home, like I said, for all of seventy two minutes, and was like, "This shit stinks." <laughs> Get me out of here. Fuck these kids. <laughs> I've been home and, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I got to do everything in the house. I liked it better when I was training and I, I didn't have to be around you motherfuckers. I am out of here. I like it better when I only see y'all twice a week. <laughs> and that's on Tuesday on my off day and Saturday during a home week when I, ha- when I don't have to fly. Like seriously though. How can you look at your kids and your family in the face and be like, hey, man, I had a fantastic career. I'm ready to come home and hang it up and, and, and be here for the, the, the practices and the performances and all those other things. And, and I love you, baby. I know you'll sacrifice so much of your career and so much of your life. And I am ready to be the man that this family needs <laughs> and be home for less than like, Seriously, how long has Tom Brady been home? Because he was just at the Manchester United Tottenham game. Tom Brady retired. Jesse, if you can get this for me real quick, tell me the day that Tom Brady retired. If we have the date, that would be outstanding. Because 72 minutes, obviously, is hyperbolic. We're having a little fun or whatever. But Tom Brady was home for maybe, was it a, a month? A month and a half? Like, how long ago was the Super Bowl? All right, so just quick quick, quick Google search. Uh, on February 1st, that's when all everything came in that, oh, he's retiring, is he retiring? There's <laughs> stuff with arenas that he didn't he didn't. All right, so in. Tom Brady was home. <laughs> Tom About Brady 32 was, minutes, he no, called no, it. No, no, no. Tom Brady was home for the first time in 22 years, <laughs> Okay. The last 22 years of his life, he has been on the same routine and program to try to be the best football player he could possibly be. Everything else be damned. This is his dream. If you guys are aligned with his dream, you got to fall in line and understand that sacrifices as a family will have to be made. Okay? My babies eat organic peanut butter, right? <laughs> my, my, my dog has caviar in his bowl, right? Who has a, who has a gripe? That man was home for six weeks <laughs> around his family, around his wife, around all the people that, that service them and make sure that their, their lives is going great. It's not like Tom Brady is out here without a nanny, without a maid, without a, you know what I'm saying? Without a landscaper. Tom ain't jumping on the lawnmower, right? He was home for six weeks and was like, nah, I can't do this shit. 
Guess what, guys? My drive and love for football has returned. It is time for me to go be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer again. So shout out to Tom Brady for stabbing Boston in the heart while also just being the worst evil villain that I am ever going to root for starting this day going forward. Time for some commercials. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Hey guys, this is Ozzy Guille and you are listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff on The Ringer in a Spotify. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is the, the man, the myth, the legend, the dude who's been covering uh, the Chicago White Sox for MLB.com uh, for uh, uh, 20 of these things, man. This man is... This man has been around through some uh, some tumultuous times and has always kept his professional, uh, you know, nature while also being a good wit and also covering this thing. Uh, Scott Merkin uh, of the Flying Merkins, because shout out to his <laughs> brother Randy uh, over there at uh, ESPN 1000. But Scott, thank you so much for jumping on the pod. Truly appreciate you. Didn't know when we were going to do this, but I'm glad we got a chance we to do this it. now. Because, yeah, you know, uh, you were talking 20 years, so clearly I started when I was like 18, right? That's, that's yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. That's the story <laughs> I tell. And I got I to gotta give a shout out to the other Merkin, my, our brother Jeff, who teaches but always gets left out because he's not the media connection. So good well, guy the, too. Jeff, Jeff probably has the most stable life. Exactly. Uh, he's probably, he's exactly. probably the most loved in the family <laughs> because he doesn't have to have the, the deal with or have the gargantuan ego that comes with this industry. So there you shout, go. Out, shout out to Jeff Merkin, the, uh, there the, you go. the most stable of the flying Merkins. <laughs> uh, let's jump into this thing, man. Um, were you surprised that the deal got done uh, the way it got done, maybe with the expediency that it got done right at the end, or did you think that it would happen like this? Because when we talk lockouts, it's just, you know, how how much can we get away with before we let y'all come play again? Right. I have to first, you know, throw the disclaimer in that I wasn't like one of the guys or women who was on the scene, you know, for 17 hours that one right. day and that kind of thing. So I was kind of getting some of my, a good portion of my info from those people, but those people, I mean, the national reporters. I don't mean want to say it in a negative way. <laughs> right. I, I, I thought it might have ended like that that March 1st day. I thought it was going to end maybe the beginning of March. And then you get your hopes up and then you lose hope. And then I really thought it was what? Was it Tuesday? I think when it came down when there was the international draft question. And then you kind of had a feeling when they kept talking on Wednesday that it was pretty close. And I'm just like, you know, I, I was out there. I've been out here for a couple of weeks and I was out there at practice this morning. And, uh, I was pulling into a lot where we parked and you could see a ton of cars. And I'm thinking, okay, all the players park in the same lot we do. So I'm thinking, you know, there's, it's not a game yet. And there are that many fans who were just, ang- they socks opened it up at 9 a.m. this morning. Fans waited for like an hour and a half because there was a team meeting and physicals and all that today. And beyond excited when these guys walked by yelling Tim's name, yelling to your mean Mercedes when he walked by. So you can tell that. I mean, there were fans were ready for baseball. And, you know, on top of it, this is a really good baseball team. So, I mean, it's not like, oh, we're excited they're back. And by May, we're going to be looking for, you know, other endeavors to fill our right. sporting needs. That, that people are, as Tony said, he told people he, he's excited, they're excited, but he hopes they're still excited in October. That's, that's the main goal is be excited in October. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how many nights I spent next to Lou Canellis on that Fox TV set with, you know, Shea Pepler, now Shea, Shea Cornette at ESPN. Yes. Uh, and, and every 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 Saturday, oh, Sunday night, I should say, I just say hey, 2020, guys. You know, it's 2020. And this was in 2018, right? 2017. Right. Like, hey, 2020, this is the year that you're, you're shooting towards. All these prospects, you know, uh, my man, Luis Robert, out, sitting around the dinner table with no shirt on and the gold chains out. Like, all this is going <laughs> to come to fruition in 2020. And then 2020 comes. And as a Sox fan, you know, going through the, the, the COVID, uh, you know, pandemic and how... The, it changed how I view sports a little bit. And it's like, what's important, what's not important. Oh, by the way, we're going to shove a little 60 game season in your face. Like it was, it's been herky jerky. So even last year, even with the success they had last year, and I can only speak for myself, but as a fan, I'm like, okay, um, I'm attached, but I'm kind of detached because of everything and how 
abnormal this situation is. You know, spring training wasn't didn't feel real. And then you, you get ready for the next year. And oh, by the way, the CBA is up and y'all are just going to have to chill until we bring you back. How, 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 how has it been covering what this last two or three years has been, not only for the, the, the arc or the trajectory of this team where it was supposed to be planned, but everything that's been thrown into it with COVID and CBAs and all this other stuff? How tough has it been to cover it? Well, I don't want to be flipping about a serious matter, but like, you know, we're coming up on two years to the day where I left from spring training to go back to Chicago, you know, because of the pandemic. That was shortly after the uh, Rudy Gobert thing when he tested positive and then they canceled the, you know, the NCAA tournament game or I think it was the, I think it was conference tournaments at that point. They canceled all that. I was and working for Big Ten Radio and were you really? I got, I, I got in trouble because we were hosting the morning show and I was like, I got to be honest with you. I don't feel right about these kids being forced to play these games. Uh, and that was, that was the last time I hosted. I remember I had an off day that <laughs> Thursday and I was working out and I was ready for the Rutgers-Michigan game. It was like the third meeting between the two and they said, no, it's canceled. And then everything. So I left like that Sunday of that week. And I think everyone thought, because, you know, we've been through, you know, thank God for the most part, people have come out, okay, SARS and bird flu and just the right. normal flu, you know. And you probably you thought like, okay, this may be like a couple week thing. And who knew, you know, two years later, we'd still be talking about it. You know, I mean, thank God we seem to be working our way through it with vaccines and everything else. But, you know, I mean, then you have that 60 game season with no fans, which is very bizarre because it's like, it was almost kind of being like at a college game because you could hear everything from both dugouts. And, you know, the Minnesota White Sox games got kind of heated yeah. in terms of like, you know, close to fights, but you could hear the, the, the cheering going back. Yeah, the yeah. yeah, that's it, back and <laughs> forth. So that was kind of crazy. And then, you know, I mean, they had a, a good season. Giolito threw a no-hitter that season. Um, you know, they they made that move under Ricky Renteria, who I think deserves credit for what he did to get them to this point. And then, you know, he's like, go after the season. I don't think anyone, maybe even Rick had Kenny Williams expected Tony to be the next manager. And there he is back. And, you know, they, they, the, I was just writing about this today and you talk about Louis Robert. I was writing about him being, you know, a potential MVP candidate there this year because he's like, you know, ridiculously talented. And the big thing with him is just health. But think about last year. You know, people are still pushing for the Sox to go get a right fielder, Michael Conforto or Chris Bryant or Nick Castellanos. But let's say they don't. I mean, just if you have reasonable help from Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Yasmani Grandal, Michael Kopech, Jose Abreu was beaten up all last year. Madrigal, before he got traded, was already out with a hamstring tear. So think about it. And they still won 93 games, and they still cruised to that AL Central title, right? So, I mean, you can't control health. Stuff happens. Who knew Luis Robert was going to be speeding down the line at first base and, you know, suffer a hip flexor tear? Who knew Eloy Jimenez was going to make a play on that ball that was seven rows deep in the home run? We all knew. Not laughing. I'm glad he's okay. But you know, you no, gotta, shout you out to be, Eloy, but I mean, he's got that he's got that Manny Ramirez kind of vibe about him out there in left field. But think about that. He came back in July. Uh, yeah. Robert missed from May to August, and you know, you lose the cohesiveness when you don't have the whole group together. So even if they don't go at a right fielder, they've done a great job, and this team is. Yeah, they also have the experience of the Houston drubbing in the ALDS to kind of move them forward a little bit. They have guys who are now more seasoned. And, you know, it, it should be a very good team. I, I do think in the AL Central, Detroit's going to be a team that, that sneaks up on some people this year. It's time. And, they, yeah, they, they've and, been stacking and, enough for a while now, and then especially the way they played down the stretch, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it was even more than down the stretch, right? I think they were... Second half. They, they, they were pretty bad to start, and then Hinchhead got them turned around pretty quick. So I think that's going to be the the biggest challenge, but the Sox still should be the, the favorite. But I know people are, you know, it's great to go to the playoffs for a third straight year. It's great to win the division again. They want more, though. White Sox fans want more than that this year. Yeah, I was watching the MLB Network this morning, and uh, I saw the odds for the AL pennant, and the Astros were minus, like, 400 or something, and, and the, the Sox were, like, minus 550. Right. Something, something like that. So a lot of people, the money at least believes right now and the way the money is stacked up that the Sox are going to be in the mix here. And we all do. Uh, but as Harry Carey would say, what about the pitching? <laughs> uh, I, 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 when free agency starts after the CBA gets you know signed off on, and every, you know, you're seeing guys go this way, that way, I'm sitting there watching the the, the free agent frenzy, as they noted on MLB uh, Network. Hey, Carlos Rodon, you know when he arrived here, I, I used to talk to Speaks back in the day about this. Uh, like, is is he going to be 
You know, is he going to be the dude? Like, is he is he that guy? He's like, yeah, he's got the talent. He's just got to stay healthy. And I always thought maybe, you know, if he gets in better shape, maybe he'll stay a little bit healthier. But you always knew it was there. You always knew that slider was going to get everybody out if he had pitch leverage or uh, count leverage, I should say. And then it comes together last year in the free agent year. And you're like, is this the last time we've seen him? Especially down the stretch where you knew he wasn't healthy and you knew he's, he's going into the postseason unhealthy and he's like he's taking this risk in his free agent year what does that mean does that mean he's gonna stay he gets to what two years 44 million dollars yeah San with Francisco an out after the first i think right but i mean happy you know, for him yeah happy for him. oh yeah i mean he deserves a lot of credit you know i mean he he struggled with injury literally throughout his time with the white Sox. i think he had one like full season coming into last year and he deserves credit for stepping up and putting that work in and working diligently with Ethan Katz. Not that Don Cooper didn't do good things with him. It's just they were injured. You rock you know? differently. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the the thing with Carlos is down the stretch, I think it was more fatigue. He had pitched like, I, I wrote this a thousand times, I should remember. I think it was 42 and a third innings combined the two years before. So you're talking like 80 more innings last year just from the two years combined, not the year before, the two years combined. So, of course, he's going to get a little fatigue. But, I mean, he was as dominant as anyone in baseball last year, right, when he was on his game. And he deserves credit for, I mean, you know, they all deserve credit for the work they put in. And give the Sox credit because the Sox kind of ran him almost a little like a Friday night college pitcher, you know, where I think he only made six starts last year where he was on regular four days rest, you know, pitching on the fifth day. So they gave him extra time throughout the year, and man, it paid great dividends. I, mean, I think he had like ten starts where he worked at least five innings and gave up two hits or less. I mean, even that this, the, one of his last starts of the regular season, I think it was against the Reds. His fastball was like in the low nineties, and he still allowed one hit over five innings. So it's crazy. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see now that he's elevated to kind of an ace status, going to the National League, going to the league. You know, he's going to be in a similar spring training. The Giants train over in Scottsdale, not too far from here. So he'll have that, you know, kind of familiarity, but new league, not so new because with interleague, you play everyone at this point, but still a new environment all the way out West. He's a Midwest dude, you know, a Florida kid. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to go out there with a little more pressure. Whereas, you know, last year he came in as maybe the fifth starter, maybe a really most likely the fifth starter. So it'll be interesting to see how he handles that. But I think he, he has a grasp on pitching just beyond the great run. I mean, his slider's as good as anyone throwing oh, right yeah. now, right? So, oh, I mean... Yeah. Just beyond that, he's got a grasp on everything that's going on and what he needs to do to be a good pitcher. You mentioned Michael Kopech, and I, I, as a Sox fan, I, I hadn't been as excited about a pitching prospect since Chris Sale in terms of just the look, what you expect, the dominance and the, right, you know, the quote-unquote right. electric arm. And he, he went through his... Uh, his injuries, he, you know, coming out of the bullpen, is he a starter? What is Michael Kopech now? And if he tops out, what is he supposed to be? Well, if he tops out, I mean, you know, he could be a, a top of the rotation type of guy. That's what they, you know, think of him. Now, the only thing that's interesting is, you know, I still remember sitting in that dugout. It was 2000, it's been so long now. It was in 2018, I think, right, when he had his Tommy John surgery. And he had just had that rough game against the Tigers where they hit him for four home runs and his velocity was down. And it was a following Friday. That was like a Tuesday or Wednesday. And Rick came in the dugout and Rick literally looked like, you know, his favorite show had just been canceled or they told him that his Michigan degree wasn't any good anymore. You know, and he was, he looked really, you know, he looked really hit by the news and said that Michael Kopech was going to have Tommy John. So it's a long way back from, he was great for most of last year. You know, he was another one who dealt with an injury, had a hamstring issue, missed a month of the season. But the problem is now, you know, it's going to be a, a quick ramp up when they're already controlling his innings for the year. So how do they kind of handle that? You know? How do they handle keeping him as a starter, keeping the rotation fresh, but making sure that he can get what he needs in that rotation? You know, you have a guy like Garrett Crochet who can spot start. They believe he's going to be a starter of the future. You have a guy like Ronaldo Lopez who can jump in there. Or if not necessarily spot start, they can work them together. But, you know, you want to give Kopech the full chance to show his dominant stuff. And But again, you don't want to burn the guy into the ground, too. You want him pitching at his best come September, October, you know, when he's fresh and ready to go. How's the bullpen going to figure itself out? Liam Hendricks, of course, Craig Kimbrell. Uh, you know, Craig Kimbrell, it's crazy because two years ago, <laughs> three years ago, you had these two guys as maybe the best in, in both leagues. Right, and right. now you have them in the same bullpen. And you know, Steve Stone always talked about those last three outs and how it changes a person. Oh, and yeah. What it does to somebody and just the confidence that you see somebody go out there with if they are getting the ball for those last three outs as opposed to if they're pitching the sixth, seventh, or eighth inning. As we know, after the Andrew Miller 
uh, phenomenon that, you know, high leverage outs come in the fifth inning sometimes, come oh, in the yeah? sixth inning sometimes. So yeah. how is this thing going to work itself out? Do you do you foresee Craig Kimbrell starting the season with the White Sox? Or is is this guy just a closer that has to be somewhere else applying his trade? Yeah, Terry Francona really was amazing with that bullpen in 2016, wasn't yes, he? he? Was. Andrew Miller, Cody Allen pitching in the fifth, whatever, whenever he needed to get out of it, he was ready to go with those guys. Yeah, it's interesting because you know, even last year, you were talking about two or three years ago. I mean, last year when they acquired Craig Kimbrell, the two best closers in baseball resided in the White Sox bullpen. I mean, his numbers, the first half for the Cubs were insane. You know, I mean, he had like, I think he had allowed like 20 hits and walks combined over some like 40 innings for the Cubs. He had like a 0.59 ERA. And Hendricks was, you know, phenomenal. He was the American League reliever of the year, saved 38, struck out 113 against seven, I think six unintentional walks. But Hendricks is the guy you need to close. So. On one hand, you know, like Tony LaRusso said yesterday, he likes the fact that Kimbrough likes being here. He wants to be here with the White Sox. On the other hand, you know, he wants to close. And you can't blame the guy for wanting to close. He is the active, as we sit here today, and it's not going to change in a week or two weeks, he's the active leader among all pitchers in saves. He has 372. Ken Lee Jensen is next to 350. So who would blame a guy who's done that his whole career for wanting to go to a team? And you could probably find a good team that would need a guy who can close get to 400, but he, you know, just do what he knows. I don't think it's that he can't pitch the eighth or the seventh or the sixth. I just think he knows the ninth inning. So now what do you do? I mean, do you look and see if you can move? Now you're not going to give him away though, right? Because you need that bullpen as kind of insulation when you're kind of bringing the starters along, you know, a little slower at the beginning of the year. So right now you got what Hendricks, Graveman, soon to be Kelly, um, Bummer, Crochet, Kimbrel, that's pretty good six that's right pretty there. pretty damn good. You know? yeah. I mean, that's pretty good right there. So, And then they added Vince Velasquez today, although that's not official yet. So there's seven, you know, and he's he's more of a guy that can give you innings and spot start too. Lopez is going to be in the mix. So there's there's a pretty good eight right there, you know. And people remember these great, some of these great teams that won. Think of the Royals, you know, with what? Wade Davis, Greg Holland, Kelvin Herrera, mm-hmm. I think Luke, Luke Hoshaver one year, Ryan Meds in another year. That's how you win games, you, you know. The 05 White Sox, we will never see that again. Four four complete games, baby. And the first one was, what, eight and a third, right? Contreras went eight and third in game one. So, I mean, a a starter goes five innings in the postseason now, and it's like, man, what a great effort. He really pushed through, you know? And that's just how baseball is designed now. It's a game of bullpens in the postseason. And you want as many quality arms as you can have down there. And I think that's why they're spending, you know, kind of the money they are to fill out that bullpen. So, it's interesting. I, I think everyone thought when they, you know, the deal was announced, not announced, but reported about Kelly yesterday, that that means Kimbrell is for sure gone. But I don't think it's for sure. I think, you know, they're looking for the best option. If they have a deal that makes sense where they can move him, that'll happen. If they don't, then they'll, you know, go on with him and have maybe, you know, his second year here, a little more comfortable. The transition period is gone. Maybe he'll be back to his, you know, older form. It's crazy. I was thinking about just the, the difference in baseball and not even a generation, but just, you know, how it changes, you know, every right. six or seven, ten years. Rich Harden right now is probably watching like, hey, guys, I was throwing heat five innings at a time. Yep. And all of a sudden yep. now guys are getting forty five million dollars over the course That's of two right. years to throw five innings. Right. <laughs> like Rich Harden was the bullpen killer. Now it's like, oh, no, no, it's fine. We, we want you to stop pitching in the fifth <laughs> inning. <laughs> Go back to like Fergie Jenkins. Look at his numbers. When he pitched for the Cubs, and not, not too often, particularly good Cubs teams, where he's thrown like 25, 27 complete games in a season. That's insane. I mean, you throw five or six now, or think about Burley, who, you oh know, my with, God. With, with less than plus stuff, let's be honest. Let's be, you he's know, going nice out there getting you eight, nine, ten a year. 14 straight years, double digit wins, 200 innings, and at least 30 starts, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, you just don't see, you don't see that much anywhere. That used to be the, I remember Sale used to, Chris Sale used to always talk about, 200 innings that Chris Sale was also one who liked the pitchers win because he said it showed you went deeper into the game to, you know, to, to secure it. Yeah. yeah. So now I get, you know, like if it's a three, nothing lead in the ninth and a closer comes in and gives up a three run homer and then the next guy walks it off. Right. Yeah. That shouldn't right. be a win. But I also get his point where having the mindset sevens, that I want to, yeah. I want to complete this. <laughs> you throw eight scoreless, you have a better chance to win than if you throw five and, and get out at that point. Right. So, I mean, it's it's different. It is different, and that's why you got to have the great bullpen, and that's what the Sox, you know, have right now, or on paper at least, it looks really good. All right. 
Uh, look at look at us being old baseball guys. Where it's that's like, right. ah, I remember that's the it. day when guys <laughs> finished what they started. Uh, it's the, it's still right. the only sport that's ridiculous enough to tell its most important player, "Hey, just go until you're tired. Right? We, 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 you're not going to get a rest. Uh, you know, you're not LeBron, right? You're not you're not Aaron Rodgers. You don't get a chance to sit down. You know, for for a prolonged period of time, unless you 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 know, obviously your offense is out there mashing. But right. Just right. go until you're tired, and then when you're tired, we'll take you out, and hopefully you'll get credit for going <laughs> long enough. Right. <laughs> Shout out to and baseball. think about it this year. It's going to be even different this year because you know this year I'm sure they're going to at least through the first month or two err on the side of not oh giving those extra 10 or 15 pitches, right? So you're in three, 73. Three and a third. Good. Yeah, you're done. <laughs> then they have to adjust that win, that win total again or just, you know just, go to, just go to team wins and forget individual wins at this point. You know? uh, hey, hey you know, ba- far be it from baseball to change or designate anything different. You know, that's once every right. 75 years or so. We can't, you know, we still, <laughs> we still talk about the mound height and all that. But uh, second base, you know, as I wrap it up with you here, second base, uh, love Josh Harrison. As much as anybody would, you know, but he's 34 years old and Josh Harrison isn't what he used to be. So, right. Larry Garcia, can you, can you count on that for another year? Are you looking forward to seeing somebody jump up maybe from the minor league ball club and say, hey, I, I'm ready to be the second baseman? Like, what's what's going to happen there? Or is it is it a, is it a exploitable enough hole that you, you don't have to worry about it? Let me throw this out there. Since the deal was reported, I've heard from like three different people how great Josh Harrison is in the club. Okay. How he is just a tremendous dude. And I think he's going to fit in real well there. And he doesn't have to be, you know, Roberto uh, Alomar. Exactly. Or, you know, or, or yeah, he doesn't have to even be, you know, he, I mean, he just has to fit. He's, he's probably going to be a seven or eight, nine hitter. Right. So I yeah. mean, play good defense, which is key, play good defense and contribute where he can. And you do have a guy like Leary Garcia, who people forget because for some reason, Could he's play. just like, yeah, he, he had come off his best season. I think he was probably, the most potent, maybe Robert and Anderson were a little better, but Garcia and Sheets were up there too in terms of playoff production last year. So, you know, I think he'll get some looks. But the thing with having Harrison there, if you play him 115 games, assuming he, you know, he, he does well enough to make it that long, then you have, you know, Leary Garcia can play over the field. You can put him in right. You can give Tim Anderson a day off. You can put him in center. You know, if, if you decide to take Romy Gonzalez or Danny Mendick, you have another guy who can play over the field. And that helps. It helps, you know, Especially when, again, this short ramp up, you may give a guy a day off earlier in the season. You have quality guys who can do it. So I think it's a good pickup for the Sox. I really, you didn't give up anything to get it. You spent money to get it. And, you know, I mean, uh, I, I think it's a good move. I think he's a, the right veteran guy to have in that clubhouse. All right. What, what are the other weaknesses or strengths that I haven't accentuated or, uh, you know, uh, stressed myself over enough? Well, you know, fans I talk to want Michael Conforto like they want, you know, 75 degree days in December in, in South in Side. And Michael Conforto is a good player. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I haven't covered him at all, and I don't really watch a ton of Mets games. But you look at his numbers, and I know he's a left-handed power bat. He's a good, solid defensive player in right, and he gets on base. So he's a good guy to have. Now, the question is, as a Scott Boris guy, how much are people going to ask for? Or how much? I'm sorry, not people. Not people in general, but how right. much is he going to ask for that? And does it fit into what they have? Now, I think they're you know, in good shape with Vaughn and Sheets and Angle and Garcia to start the season at right and DH. And, you know, the Sox are always big movers in season. If they see something they need, they'll go out and get it. And they won't wait till that trade deadline. They'll move, you know, when they feel they need to move. But I think you have a couple of really good young players in Vaughn and Sheets. And Angle's not exactly old. So if he stays healthy, you're in good shape there. So th- that's what people consider is the, you know, kind of finishing off the rebuild, you know, getting that right fielder. People still want, Still lamenting no Bryce Harper from a few years ago. Of course, he would have been he would have been a perfect fit. But I think as is, they're pretty. Now you just have, you know it's going to be based on starters and defense. I think you know, I mean, how did the starters come along? How do they respond to this short ramp up? And you know, as Tony said, some warts showed up in that postseason last year, and you'll see how they you know, how they fix things and and get better and take that next step in twenty two. Yeah, and hopefully their their two prized young players don't miss eighty games apiece. That's well. it. I mean, that, that's what I was just writing about. It's just, you know, Robert and Jimenez at the center and just having them around. You know, I mean, they weren't around when they were hurt. It wasn't like they were sitting in the dugout. They were rehabbing, you know, I think here out in Arizona for the most part, and then they went on rehab assignments. So they were gone from the team. I remember Carlos talking to me about that one time, one of his rehabs where he was out here in Arizona for a long time. And he's like, it's just, it's miserable, you know? I mean, I think his wife was with him, but still, you're away from your your buddies, you're away from the guys who you're with for, you know, 
You're away from what you love, for real, exactly. which is com- exactly. competing. Yeah. So just having everyone healthy and back, you know, they, they should be the favorite, AL Central. Not that they shouldn't worry about it, but they that should be, you know, a very small first step. But they, they're gearing up to go deep in October. They're not gearing up just to get there. This is a, a team, des- not destined, but they hope destined, but targeted for a championship. Yeah, yeah. This is what, this is what the trajectory should look like at this exactly. point. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you shouldn't give a shit about the minor league system because all the guys are up. Right. Well, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, and, you know, actually, one of the things the lockout afforded is, you know, Tony was here every day watching the minor league camp. And Tony likes, you know, some of the young guys they have. Now, they're a few years away. You know, guys like Colson Montgomery and Oscar Colas and Yoel uh, Kisispedes. And um, I'm trying to get, you know, um, Vera, Norhe Vera, mm-hmm. they signed. Mm-hmm. Good guys, but they're, you know, three or four years down the line. But I think, you know, he believes that system's going to rise from the 28th or 29th. But that's the, you look at the other side of town, you know. Cubs gave up a lot of their farm system and they won the world. That's the ultimate prize. You know, I know you talk about Rick's talk, Rick has about multiple championships and the Cubs thought they had a five, six year window to win multiple. It's tough winning one, you know? I mean, the last National League team to repeat was the Big Red Machine. The last team to repeat at all was the Yankees. It's crazy. And what, 98, 99, 2000, unless you count the Giants with their three in like six years there. Mm-hmm. So winning one is amazing. You know, you win two, you're really rocking, but that's the Sox focus. Just get that first one, then you go from there and see what happens. Scott, appreciate your time, man. Sure, Jason. Uh, make sure you visit the mission for me because it's yes. still my favorite, uh, you know, tequila slash taco spot in all of the country, damn near. And I, this, that's high praise coming from here in the city of Chicago, right? But I love the mission. Uh, tell Rick Hahn, his good buddy Jason Goff says, what's up? I haven't talked I to Rick do in that. a long time. And I appreciate you. Keep doing your thing. We'll keep uh, reading your stuff at MLB.com. Keep reading the tweets. And uh, it feels like things are getting a little bit more normal. And especially when I see you covering the, the, the game that you love to cover, it's uh, it's getting back to it. The, the rhythms of summer are coming back to us when we're it reading Scott like Merkin's it. stuff. It seems like it, for sure. I mean, for a while there, I thought I might come back, like, you know, the, the beginning of last week. Now I'm out here until the beginning of April. So that's good there to you see. Go. You know, there you so go. Spring Enjoy. training. Enjoy, enjoy your time, man. And uh, tell Randy and Jeff I said what up. I will do, Jason. <laughs> I will do that, Jason. Thanks, man. Yes, sir. Scott Merkin joining us here on The Full Go, brought to you by The Ringer. I'm Jason Goff, and always Spotify is the game. We'll be back with more of The Full Go with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Bulls Talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. Flies in with a two-handed slam dunk. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. So last night, the Bulls uh, beat up on the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they needed it. They needed it, and they needed it on a, a couple different levels because of everything that has been documented about how they fared against uh, the Eastern Conference teams ahead of them. Uh, now, the Cleveland Cavaliers 
whether whatever the record is, the Cleveland Cavaliers are in the same boat, maybe a little bit lower, I think, than the Chicago Bulls. So you saw exactly what you were supposed to see last night. Uh, DeMar DeRozan gave you his 25. Io DeSumo got back to his aggressive self, got 17 out there. Vooch had 20 points and 14 rebounds. So the, the, the guys who were out there uh, did what they were supposed to do. And of course, with no Jared Allen, that, that's a big, big difference in terms of the way that they deploy their defense. You know, the Isaac Okoro and Darius Garland, who I think Isaac Okoro is going to be a fantastic defender. Uh, and Darius Garland, you know, when he's when he's disciplined and got his mind to it, definitely. He, he can defend a little bit, but they funnel a lot of action towards Jared Allen. When he's not in there, he's not changing shots. It's, it's a different squad. You don't have to worry about the offensive rebounding as much, but Evan Mobley is an absolute star. So he's, you know, he, he did what he had to do but he's, you know, he's still taking his first turn around the league. Also, uh, I wonder if that switch is going to flip in him because he's going to get 20 and, and 10 just being on the court because that's how damn talented he is. But I can't wait to see him understand that he's the best damn player on the floor and more shots need to go through me kind of vibe. Now, hopefully he'll develop that and maybe he's just, a, you know, because from everything I hear, everybody says he's a terrific kid. And, you know, he keeps his head down and he, he works like a rookie who isn't, you know, uh, you know, top five pick. Uh, but hopefully he'll get that, you know, effort in his system because I want to see talents like that, not just be 20 and 10 guys. He has a chance to be uh, a supreme NBA player. But the thing that I'm worried about and concerned the most is before the game, you know, not the results of the game, not what happened during the game, but before the game. Zach Levine had two days off and his knee didn't allow him to go versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. And we talked about the procedure uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, and how he's getting uh, fluid taken out of that knee and, you know, lubrication thrown in there. And anytime you hear that, you know, you you, uh, worry a little bit, you concern. And especially when it's a guy who's had knee surgeries before. um, I, I, if I'm Zach Levine, I'm doing exactly what Zach is doing. Is, you know, and of course he's conferring with the doctors and talking with Billy Donovan and and the staff, and he's doing what's best for himself. And I don't believe it's in a selfish way at all, right? Like some guys, some guys might be close to a situation where it's like, man, I got two hundred mil on the line. I ain't moving like I'm like I'm not about to get two hundred mil, right? And other times, guys go to the organization and say, hey, if you guys want me, I want y'all. I'll put it all on the line. I think that's what's happening with Zach Levine. He's showing not only his leadership, but his toughness when he's playing through uh, what I'm sure is, because anytime you talk about pain threshold or pain tolerance, it's pretty much saying like anytime he's he's out there, he's going to be in pain. And when he can't go is because the pain has, be, has been too, uh, you know, too drastic. So when you have two days off and you miss a game, that's concerning. And I'm not speaking from simply just a, a Bulls fan point of view here. I'm speaking from a guy who wants to see dudes get their money, right? Like, I, I root for players in, in this whole thing because I don't think fans nor ownership realize what goes into uh, these guys' crafts, you know, what they sacrifice, uh, what they give up. And yeah, yeah, we see the Instagrams, right? We see the clothes, we see the cars, we see the beautiful women or the wives or the great family photos and and them living the life. But all those moments that you don't see are what uh, allows them to live that life. And what you, what you would hate to see happen is Zach Levine um, push it to the point where it changes who he's supposed to be as a player going forward, right? And I, I know the window is open now and you got to strike while the iron is hot. But if it's up to me and I'm getting ready to pay somebody $200 million, I want to make sure he's healthy enough going forward. You're not paying him for what he's done. You're paying him for what he will do. And if that knee is barking at him with 15 games left in a crazy Eastern Conference, in a crazy season, you know, top to bottom, this Bulls team has surpassed everyone's expectations. But this last month and a half or so, uh, where the defense has faltered because of injuries and you, you've thrown new players in the mix like Tristan Thompson and, and, and you have to worry about Zach's knee. Like, there's a lot going on right now. And I'm not saying you, you, you sit Zach down, but it's something to be, um, I won't say worried about because you guys are going to do what you want to do, but I'm worried a little bit. I'm concerned a little bit because when NBA players who I talk to see that and go, yeah, that's not, that's not a good sign, then it's okay to acknowledge it as such. 
Um, I hope Zach stays healthy. I, I hope Zach gets a chance to participate in the playoffs, which it looks like, yeah, you know, that the, the Bulls hold their ground, right? They got this West Coast swing that they're getting ready to engage in, Sacramento, Phoenix, and Utah. Hopefully you take two of those three games. Hopefully you don't get swept. Maybe you might get one out of three. But right now, what's most important, if I'm a Bulls fan, is Zach Levine's knee. And it's not just for the last 15, 16 games of this season. It's for the next three or four or five years that he's going to be owed uh, an incredible amount of money. It's going to put your cap in a certain place where you're, you're now with your three max players. Um, you're just hoping for development and shrewd talent evaluation to win to rule the day because th- those are the guys that you're going to be putting all your pieces around. I, I'm not saying Zach Levine is more hurt than than he's letting on because I don't know. Uh, but whenever you see a guy being off for two days and having to rest a knee uh, on that third day, um, you know, and setbacks happen, right, in practices and shoot-arounds and all those kinds of things. But sometimes you, your body's just telling you, I can't go. Uh, hopefully Zach Levine's body will be as good as it possibly can be going into the playoffs. But this is a time from a Bulls fan. I'm, I'm watching like a hawk what's going on with Zach Levine's not only health off the court because he, he misses a game every once in a while, which I would have no problem with, but also on the court because he pushed it to the limit in a couple of these second halves. The, the Detroit Pistons one where he was getting down. See, the thing is, Zach Levine is playing differently than he's ever played before. And he does, maybe doesn't have the physical uh, wherewithal to play the way he wants to, if that makes any sense. Like the defense that Zach is engaging in in, in pivotal stretches in some of these moments, um, you know, yeah, he, does he get caught, you know, ball watching every once in a while and caught, you know, maybe peeking and, and get cut with a, a back screen or a back cut or something like that? Yeah, it happens every once in a while, but nowhere near the frequency it used to happen. And on top of it, he is matching up against top flight offensive dudes uh, every once in a while and taking that you know, taking that position like I'm going to stick this guy and his notice, right, is is being documented. So he's playing that way and it, maybe it's it's a level higher than he's played it before. But now that his body might be um, in a different position or a different situation, you just hate to see those those um, op- that opportunity not meeting that physical moment for him. So uh, keep an eye on Zach Levine and these next three games, you know, going up against the Western Conference foes, the Phoenix and Utah game are definitely I won't say measuring stick games, but you're going to find out where you're at because you've been going up against the Eastern Conference best and you haven't fared well. It's time to figure out where you're at, what needs to change. Alex Caruso is back. You saw the different defensive energy out there against the Cleveland Cavaliers with Alex Caruso. Uh, this man was communicating from the top of the pick and roll behind him where usually the bigs, Tristan Thompson, Vooch, whoever's out there, are telling where guards where to go. This dude was setting up the pick and roll defense uh, in the third quarter yesterday, I'm like, this is the reason why Alex Caruso is so invaluable. That's why he's so por- important, because of what he does and, and and how he does it, right? He's been coaching for the last two or three weeks since Grayson Allen took him out the sky. He's been coaching these guys up, and now he's back on the floor, so it's a big deal. And then they're going to get Lonzo back, hopefully, and then they're going to get Patrick Williams back. But if I'm a Bulls fan, keep your eye on Zach Levine's knee, because uh, of all the things that you don't need to happen. You don't need Zach Levine to miss any time this season, but more importantly, you don't need him to miss any time or be a different player going forward because of what he's trying to do right now for this squad. It's the full goal, baby! Yeah, there it is. Got it right. Two pods in a row. That was episode 76 of the Full Goal Podcast with Jason Goff. I am him. We'd like to thank our guest, Scott Merkin, MLB.com does a terrific job covering the Chicago White Sox. Make sure you're reading his stuff and checking him out on Twitter as well. We'd also like to thank all of you guys for hanging out with us. Of course, our production staff of Steve Cerruti, the shadowy figure that is Steve Cerruti, and of course, Chris Tannehill, my main man, the active Jesse Lopez. We will be back on Tuesday, y'all. So hang out with us on Tuesday when we are talking about the free agent frenzy that is Major League Baseball right now. We're going to get into a little bit more college basketball and the Bulls. They're going to have that West Coast swing. So we'll talk about how the Bulls are faring and monitor Zach Levine's knee like I told y'all to do. We'll continue to do the same on our end. We appreciate y'all for downloading this thing, subscribing to it, rating and reviewing it. Whatever you do, sharing it, telling your people about it, we truly, truly appreciate everything you do for this pod. This is The Full Go with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer and, of course, Spotify is the gang. As always, we leave you with this. 
Take care of each other and be safe. And by the way, I'd also like to wish my little sister, Shana Goff, a happy, happy birthday. I appreciate you. You are one of the best things that ever happened to me. I remember the day they brought you home. Actually, we went and got you from the hospital because I didn't want to sit home and wait for you to get home. But if you get this and you're listening to this, know that I love you and I tell you I love you all the time, but I'm telling these people at my job right now how much I love you. So happy birthday, Shana Bear. I appreciate you. That's it, guys. We appreciate y'all. We'll talk to you on Tuesday. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.